Good morning. I'm not gonna lie, I'm very sore. <laughs> we um we played yesterday and um it 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 went longer than the 90 minutes. We ended up playing extra time as well. Um and I think the guys in my team were like half my age, um and I'm one of the older ones. And um yeah, my body's telling me that I probably should stop playing football sometime soon. But um the old mind keeps telling me that I want to keep playing. <laughs> so um I enjoy it and um it was good to good to get a win yesterday. Uh, wasn't it great to see all those um, kids wishing their fathers happy Father's Day this morning? Really special, eh? Lovely. Also recognize that today is quite hard for some people, um, quite hard, who don't have their father figures around, um, but have people in their lives who've made a massive impact in their lives about that as well. So we just honor the, honor the dads and the father figures this morning. Um, I know this can be also quite a hard day for people, um, but isn't it good that we have got a heavenly father? And this morning, um, I get to share God's word, and God's word that's inspired by our Heavenly Father. And if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at the first eight verses. Um, we're starting our new series today, Good News. And as Alan said, it is fantastic news, and we're going to learn a bit more about that as we go through. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's turn to God's word, and um, let's look at Mark chapter 1 um, and the first eight verses. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Messiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to hear him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John wore uh, clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." And that is God's word. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this, this time together this morning. And Lord Jesus, I pray now as, as we speak truth from your word, that it's your words and not mine. And Lord, I pray you prepare our hearts as we, as we engage in this passage and engage in this topic. And Lord, through all of it, we want you to get the glory, all the honor and all the praise that you deserve. For it's in your name's sake we pray. Amen. Amen. As a church and as a leadership, we are so excited about who Jesus is. Like, so excited about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what he will one day do again. And this series is designed to clarify what exactly that means, so that you can either come to know the good news of Jesus for yourself for the very first time, or have the confidence in the good news of Jesus so that you can share it with others. Does that sound good? I'm going to read it again. We're so excited about who Jesus is, for what he's done and what he one day will do. This series is designed to clarify exactly what that means so that you can either come to know the good, Jesus, good news of Jesus for the very first time or have the confidence of the good news of Jesus so that you can share it with other people. That's fantastic, isn't it? So if you haven't read this already, that's inside your booklet. 
So our discussion guides that go along with our series, it's in here, and um, this is um, all dedicated to each week. There's questions that go along with each passage of Scripture, um, so if you want to follow along with the series, then I encourage you to use these. Isaac put these together. They're a fantastic tool to use in your connect groups, but also for personal Bible study as well. Um, and if, you, if, you, if you're more into the digital age and you like to do things online, it's on our website as well. You can download it there, but there's hard copies at the info desk, so I encourage you to, to look at these. So here in the first chapter of Mark, we're learning about the messenger of God. And not just any messenger, this man who um, has been called to introduce the promised Messiah to a mostly unbelieving world, okay? So just imagine John the Baptist is in this, this stage where most of the people around him wouldn't believe in who Jesus is. And, and they wouldn't understand who he is. And here John has been commissioned by God to share this message. He is the messenger of God. So what is his message and how was it received? Well, see, John did a bit of preaching. And um, there's a few snippets that I want to pull from different parts of the, the, the New Testament and in the Gospels. And John and Matthew and then back in John again. And he said things like this. He said things like this. He said, he must become greater and I must become less. And then he said this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John's heart was totally fixed on being a humble servant because he recognized that who was coming after him was much greater. He was, he was calling people to a radical way of life. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But he also recognized who Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's beautiful, isn't it? That's how John was preaching. He was calling people to a radical change in life, to have faith and live for God. And there was a number of people who repented. We read that in, in the scripture. Uh, and they give themselves fully to Christ. There was a large number of people who initially were attracted by it. They got excited. They got passionate. But eventually they became apathetic, bored, and skeptical. Most noticeably, one King Herod who became so offended by the message of John the Baptist that eventually he had him beheaded. Wow. Silenced. John the Baptist was silenced. Or so he thought. So he thought. Because the message that John the Baptist shared all those years back is still the message that we're preaching today. John wasn't silenced. The good news of Jesus still goes on today, right? And there's three ways in which we can respond to John's message. It's the same three ways that each one of us respond every time we hear it. You either accept it, you either accept it to be good news, you can become apathetic towards it, not not really care, not really sure about it, or in fact you can hate it, you can reject it. And we're about to find out where you are personally with this message and where I'm at with this message. But I want to start with this big picture. I truly believe that every believer in God is entrusted with the good news. Every believer in God is entrusted with the good news, just like John the Baptist. You know, in Mark's account, it starts with John the Baptist, who's the messenger of God, and he's, pre- he's preaching this. You repent from your sins, and you receive forgiveness. Simple. Repent from your sins, you receive forgiveness. And later on, as we look at the life of Jesus, what did he preach? If you repent from your sins, you receive forgiveness. It was really simple and straightforward. Repentance equals forgiveness. Repentance equals forgiveness. 
And this is how we see John begin to preach. And, and this is not even where the gospel originates from. It wasn't like Jesus heard John preach and go, oh, that's a good message. I should use that message. No, no, it's not where hearts. Peter even hints at this in his first sermon, Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. It's, it's not on the screen, but you can flick to it if you need to. It says this, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to, do, um, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as yourselves know. This man, being Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and his foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. You see, what we have here is Peter's describing the central part of the gospel, which is the cross. Okay? The central part of the gospel is the cross. It's repeated constantly. And deeper still, God knows that plan long, long before the Messiah even came to be. So we paint this picture of this. Yes, the central theme of the gospel is Christ crucified, but the story of the gospel starts right back when God breathed life into man and woman. So we have this picture where, where God creates man and he looks at it and he goes, wow, it's good. It's really good. And then unfortunately we have this, this, this thing called sin that creeps into the world and we have the fall of man and then we, for centuries God's people are trying to get it right. They're following kings, they're following rulers and prophets. They get it right and then they get it wrong. They get it right and then they get it wrong. All pointing to the need of a savior. And then Jesus steps onto the scene. Jesus steps onto the scene who lives this perfect life, this beautifully perfect life, but he's crucified at the hands of evil men. And then he rises from the dead. And everything changes. Because then we have a, a way to the Father through Jesus. And we, followers of Jesus, are commissioned by God's Spirit to continue this work and preaching and teaching the good news that the kingdom of God is here. So you might think to yourself, Reuben, how on earth is the gospel good news? Jesus had to die the most brutal death, the most brutal death known to man. How is that good news? Well, here's the good news. You don't have to. You don't have to go through that. We don't have to go through that because Jesus did it for us. He took our place so that we could have life. Think about this regarding the people that we love, the people who don't know Jesus. They don't have to have eternity separated from God because of the cross. It's good news, right? It's wonderful news. It's the best news. You know, this, this message, this good news, this gospel was entrusted to John the Baptist and now it's entrusted to you and I. So every believer in God is entrusted with the good news. It's our role. It's our job. Remember, God loves us so much that he sent his son to suffer so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell. It's good news. It's good news. In our, in our current church culture, and I mean the wider church, not just our church here, the idea that if, if John the Baptist is entrusted with the most important news, the good news, the gospel, is quite a strange thought. Just think about it. If John the Baptist rocked up to our church today and applied to be our lead pastor um, with, his, with his camel skin, his sandals, munching on a packet of salt and vinegar locusts, you probably wouldn't be that interested in John, that type of character. And that message that he shared to people was so hard for them to hear. 
It was so hard for them to hear. You see, in our church, our current church, church culture, um, we are attracted to people with charisma over character. Moral platitudes instead of biblical content. Public speaking skills over the simple proclamation of the gospel. The messengers of today's church have become apathetic towards the gospel. And you could argue, argue that today's church, especially in the West, has become a mile wide but an inch deep. God knew about this. He said this would happen. Listen to what Paul said in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And he was preaching to Timothy as he was leading the church. And he said, in the presence of God, um, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure the hardship, do the work of the evangelist, and discharge all duties of your ministry. You might think, oh, well, that'll never happen to us because um, we're going to stay solid on what, we, what we've been, been taught, and I really pray that that's the truth. But look what happened to people of God. Look what happened to God's chosen people. In the Old Testament, we've read the message um, right throughout the Old Testament where we see God's chosen people fully committed to following, following him, and then all of a sudden, things would just change. I'll give you the example of Moses, um, messenger of God, a bit like John, went away for 40 days, went away for sabbatical, left the people, thought to be all right on his own. Two days later, they were throwing a party and worshiping other gods. You know, today's culture is that the, me the messenger isn't necessarily gone from the pulpit. It may be the fact that we're ignoring what the Bible says. And this applies to all of us. You see, we can't ignore the gospel. We can't ignore the truth of the gospel, which is really, really simple. Repentance equals forgiveness. You know, we talk about this a lot in this church. I don't know how many times we've mentioned this, mentioned this passage of Scripture, but it's a really um, famous passage of Scripture, and we'll keep mentioning it because we think it's important. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, you might ask the question, how do I make a disciple? Well, a good place to start is by sharing the good news of Jesus. That's where we start. And here's the million-dollar question. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It seems like quite a strange question to ask a, ch uh, a church um, because you're thinking to yourself, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, surely everyone who comes to church would know what that is. Well, um, there's a recent study taken that would suggest different. So Barna is a, is a study group that has conducted more than two million interviews over thousands of course studies, um, has become this go-to source for insight about faith and culture and leadership and vocation and generations. And they did this study and they asked a question of churchgoers, all right? People just like you, people just like me, people who attend church regularly. They were asked the question, have you ever heard of the Great Commission? The Great Commission, this, this verse of scripture. 51% of those people said nope. 
51% said, nope, never heard of it, never heard of it. And you might think to yourself, well, that's okay. Well, it's not really okay, it's pretty poor, actually. But the other 49% surely got it all right. No, only 17% of people actually knew the Great Commission and what it meant. 17% of churchgoers understood what our role is as Christians. 25%, one in four, said they remember it, but they don't have a clue what it means. And 6% just wasn't sure. I don't know about you, but that's a sad reality. This data indicates that churches are using this phrase, preaching this message less and less, forgetting about focusing on the work of the Great Commission and what each one of us are called to do. So what is being taught in our churches? Do you know what church, you know what Crossroads, and I'm speaking to Crossroads specifically, I would be so much more happy that if you were bored of me talking about this than not hearing it at all. I would love that for us to just always know that this is a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I truly believe that's what we're called to do. And I think if we don't, we've missed the boat. We've missed it. It's good news. It's good news, and it's there to be shared. And I truly believe that each one of us who are followers of Christ have been entrusted with this good news, and we're there to share it. Amen? So I want to try an activity. <clears throat> and don't worry, I'm not going to make you feel super uncomfortable with other people, but you might be uncomfortable by yourself. But that's okay. So what I want us to do is to take a couple of minutes, and we are going to take a couple of minutes. I want you to sit in your own thoughts. If, you, if you're a person who likes to write with pen and piece of paper and you've got that, then do that, or your phone to make notes. But I want to ask you the question, do you know the good news? Would you know how to share the gospel with an unbeliever? What is the gospel? It's an opportunity for us to think about that and consider it. Take a couple of minutes. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and, you're, and you aren't a Christian, there's a great opportunity for you to consider what it would mean to follow Jesus Christ. Do you know the good news? So let's take a few moments to do that. Right now where we're at, just to think and consider these things. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask for any feedback. But I want you to have a, have a moment between you and God and answer that question. What, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And um, you're not going to get graded on this, but I just want to remind you that God is watching. What is the gospel? Let's think about it. Take a couple of minutes. In the first two books of the Bible, we hear that God created us to be with him. He looked at and he breathed, into, to, he breathed us into life. He created, and he saw that it was good. It was good. In the next chapter, we read about how our sins separated us from God because of the fall of man. And those sins continued, and we realized they can't be removed by good deeds or good works, but in actual fact, it pointed to that we needed a Savior. The rest of the Old Testament continues that theme where God would send along someone to serve and help them and point them back to God. And again and again, it would point that they needed a Savior. They needed someone who was perfect. And then ultimately, in the New Testament, we see Jesus come. And he's perfect. And he's blameless. And he pays the, sin, pays the price for sin. He died and he rose again. And as I said before, this is the central piece of the gospel. Because he didn't remain dead. He's very much alive and he's coming back again. And then in John, we read this beautiful piece of scripture in John 3 where 
everyone is invited to trust him by repenting and trusting in him. And they will receive eternal life, no longer separated from God. And ultimately, we have a life with Jesus. He has called us to be co-workers with his spirit, to continue the good work of Jesus until he returns. And we'll be, all will be restored and all will be made new and we'll stand face to face with God and it'll be great. It'll be great. And for all you creative people, what does this spell? Gospel. Gospel. There is hope because of Jesus. Church, we need to know the gospel. We need to know the gospel. We need to know how to share it. Of course, we need to use our actions on how we live for Jesus. But we also need to use our words. We need to share it. And if we're all in for God, I really feel we should have that strong pull, that strong desire to share that love with other people. It's good news. Tim Keller, he said this. He said, the Christian gospel is that I'm so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I'm so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to a deep humility and a deep confidence at the same time. Isn't that great? There's hope because of Jesus. And we stand in the gospel of Jesus. It's good news. And I don't want you to sit here this morning and think, well, thanks for the beat up. Thanks for making me feel super uplifted in church today. The reality is, it is exciting. It's exciting and it's good news. And we have a choice today as we walk out of here, don't we? It's good news. And maybe today was the wake-up call that we all needed. I know when I prepared this, I thought to myself, wow, like I was in here practicing on Thursday and punching myself at the face at the same time. Honestly, we have to be passionate about this stuff. And I truly believe, it's unfortunate, but I really believe that the church in the West is simply not preaching the gospel anymore. And how do we know that? Look what's happening in the East right now at the moment. The church of Jesus Christ is blooming. People are coming to faith left, right, and center. But here, in places like New Zealand, apathetic, skeptical, no need for it. Do they need a savior? 100%, 100%. It's good news. We're supposed to be passionate about this stuff. So here, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for each one of us. If you call Crossroads home, if you call Crossroads your church home, if you're new here or you've been here for 100 years, we want everyone to be this, fully committed to following Jesus. Community people fully committed to following Jesus, actively sharing his love and serving others. That's what it means to be part of our community. And we truly mean, as a leadership, we truly believe this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 100%. 100%. If we do this, we're living out the good news of Jesus Christ. It's really simple. If you want to be part of it, this is where we go. This is the standard of life that we're called to. The good news of, that John the Baptist entered on that day and shared about all those years back, it's the same good news that we have today. Exact same. Repent, forgiveness. Repent, forgiveness. And the reality is John lost his life for the gospel. And this is still happening, not 2,000, 200, or even two weeks, but two days ago, people are still losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. And church, as I just said before, look, we live in a country right now 
where we don't know where it'll be like for preaching the gospel in a few years to come. But right now, it is totally appropriate for us to share the gospel of Jesus with people. Okay? And now we're seeing the Christian faith, people come into faith more and more and more in countries that it's not okay to share the gospel. Something doesn't add up there. Something doesn't add up. We've got a freedom right now to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. No pressure. Let's not wait till the country tells us we can't. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Following Jesus, living for the gospel, it's the best life. Because through hard times, there's hope. And through the good times, there's joy. (laughs) There's joy. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's really simple. That's not overcomplicated. It's good news. Amen? Let me just pray. Father, we just thank you for how your word speaks to us. We thank you that you have entrusted us with the good news, and it's our role and our responsibility to um, follow that up. Lord, we're sorry if we've become complacent to these things. Lord, I pray for the church in the West right now. I pray that we have a, a shake-up on how we, how we teach and what we're preaching. Lord, when Jesus entered into the scene and preached those sermons, it was totally the way that we should have been thinking about it going forward. So Lord, as we, as we do that, we pray that we will be a people that will preach uh, repentance and forgiveness. And Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that that invitation is there for them to accept. And maybe there's people here this morning, Lord, who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. What a day to do it, because now is the best time to do that. And the invitation's there. Following Jesus is the best life. Through the hard times, there's hope. And in the good times, there's joy. And may those of us who've been believers for a while, or are new believers, take up that call seriously to share the good news with people. It's our job, it's our role, and it's our privilege to be entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that you are central to all of this. And because of your amazing work, we have a way back to the Father. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.